So what do you think of my little vessel? She's what we call seaworthy, S-E-E, -E, see with your eyes. I feel like my transport should be an extension of my personality. Voila. And this, this is like my little window to the world, and every minute's a different show. Now, I may not understand it. I may not even necessarily agree with it, but I'll tell you what, I accept it and just sort of glide along. Welcome back, Neurons and Neuronets, to another episode of the Neon Neuron Podcast. It is I, your humble custodian of all things in this here Neuroniverse. That was Boy Sets Fire with Last Year's Nest. If you haven't taken the opportunity to listen to Boy Sets Fire, I recommend you do so. You can find them at boysetsfire.net. You can learn about tour dates, albums, download merchandise. Please, please do so. Look them up, listen to them, and be prepare to be inspired. I am very excited about today's episode. I was able to sit down with a good friend of mine in the paper crafting world and outside of the paper crafting world, Alex Gwynn, who, in my opinion, and I'm sure in the opinion of many others, is one of the premier paper toy designers. I was able to sit with her and we discussed a little bit of her process, um, how she comes up with the toys, how she designs toys, and how in the world she was able to take a hobby and and a passion and make something that she can make money off of, which is, uh, I'm sure a lot of us artists and hobbyists are trying to figure out. We're, we're all working these dead-end jobs and we're trying, to, we're trying to make money and make time to do art and create, create something from it. Well, Alex has managed to do that and I cannot be more happier for her and more envious of that. How in the world, some people, I'm not going to say it's luck because it, it took a lot of hard work. Also, with this episode, I am relaunching the papercustodian.blogspot.com where I build and rate and do the step-by-step -step process of other paper craft and paper toy designers' templates. Uh, and with the relaunch of that website, I build Alex Gwynn's Spark Plug. You can download your own template at fouldUptoys.com, which is Alex's website. And you can follow the build process at thepapercustodian.com. So please, please join me in the journey of paper crafting constructionism, so to speak. I'd also like to like I'd like to announce if you want to if you like what I'm doing with this podcast if you enjoy it please support me I have a patreon which is patreon.com slash neon neuron any amount you want to donate is is very helpful anything uh, I, I'm gonna give out some rewards soon to those who start to donate once we get the donations rolling the rewards will start flowing and those rewards will be good I hope I hope they'll be good I hope you enjoy what I give you because I love doing this and I just want to do the best that I can do not for myself but for you I'm doing this for you anyway let's get this show on the road shall we So I've been spending a lot of time on my phone, which is something a lot of us do these days. And there's 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 
billions of ways out there that we can occupy our time. Uh, one of those billions of ways is one one billionth of those ways, I guess is a way to say it, is a funny game that is kind of challenging and it teaches you not to be dumb. It's uh, Dumb Ways to Die by Metro Trains. It's rated teen, but I know a lot of kids out there are playing it. And it's, it's um, I guess it's a kind of weird way to teach kids to be safe. Like, uh, not to poke a grizzly bear, not to stand too close to the railroad tracks, not to wear moose ears during hunting season. Funny stuff like that. Let me, let, let me just, uh, let me read the little, the little thing, the paragraph that, uh, that they have. You've seen the video. Now the lives of those adorably dumb characters are in your hands. Enjoy 15 hilarious minigames as you attempt to collect all the charmingly dumb characters for your train station. Achieve high scores. Unlock the famous music video that started it all. So I guess this was a music video before. Um, I didn't know that. I just I saw the app somewhere and I downloaded it and I started to play it and I got hooked. And I shared it with my kids. Oh, there's more. Let's see. From piranhas and platforms to snakes and level crossings, tap, swipe, flick to safely escape a wide range of dumb ways to die. And it's a, like there's there's a lot of fun games. There's one where you have to you have to flick bees off some one of the characters' face. You have to you have to attach the wires correctly. Um, the one that I hate the most because it's so hard because the screen is just so small is you have to get the toast out of the toaster with a fork. And if you move the fork to the left or to the right, you get shot. And I, it's, that's like, that's the hardest one for me. I don't have any problems with the, uh, you know, stopping the blood with your fingers or wiping the puke off the screen. The one that I have the hardest time with is the fork in the toaster. It's so tough for some weird reason. I just can't do it right. But uh, on the Google Store, it's got a 4.3 rating, which is really, really good. And uh, here are some of the uh, here's some of the the, the reviews. It, it's an okay app, but it doesn't tell you how to play the mini game when you you are flying in in the plane. It says to blow. I take my lung. I make my lungs die from doing that all the time. It never works. I'm going to delete this app. Well, maybe. And she gave it three stars, which is funny because it's a fun game. And despite some of the frustrating things you get, you, you, you get frustrated. And here's another one, Dumb Ways to Die. This is a good game and I liked it, but there were three or four deaths that aren't included in the actual game, which I was disappointed by because I watched the video and realized I hadn't played them sort this out or i will uninstall thank you for your time it's funny i like people are so demanding in their reviews here's a four star review good app dumb ways to die is a really fun game but my phone can't do the three finger touch so i can't do the one where you have to cover the gun or shot holes it's not that big of a deal but i would appreciate it if you would fix this and it's funny, it's four stars, and that's the only complaint. Like I said, I would like them to fix the game with the toaster. I would like them to make the toaster a little 
wider so I could get the dang fork out. But, uh, I, I, I highly recommend playing this game. It, if you don't like it, uninstall it. If you like it, unlock all the characters, watch the music video, and get that song stuck in your head. Because I'm telling you, that song will get stuck in your head. You'll be sitting at work, you'll be riding on the bus, you'll be walking down the street, you will be falling asleep singing, Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. And then if other people start singing around you, it's a, it's a, a happy chorus of dumb ways to die. It's fun. Be safe around trains. A message from Metro. Now, my favorite part of the podcast... I give to you my interview with Alex Gwynn. Now, if, if I could say three things about Alex, if I could say three words, if I had to choose three words out of the myriad words I could choose, it would be innovative, creative, genius. Because that's what she is. And I'll just, I'll just, I'll let you hear for yourself. All right. Without further ado, I give you the interview. But, um, well, there's one question that's really, really been weighing on my mind for since I started following you. I think it was circa 2010 when I joined, I think it was, um, was it Nice Paper Toys? And you were just putting out so much work, so much work. And the work you were putting out was just incredible. Even like, it, this in its simplicity, it was amazing. And on top of that, you weren't using all of the state-of-the-art things that every other paper toy artist was using. You were using PowerPoint. So in a roundabout way, my question is, how in the world do you manage to do all that? I originally started using PowerPoint. I used PowerPoint 2003, and it was pretty much not so much a choice as a necessity. I didn't have a computer of my own. I used my mum's computer when I first got started. And even before that, I would make little animations in PowerPoint. It was one of the only creative digital tools I had. So I just started on PowerPoint. And then when I found my love for paper toys, it kind of transitioned quite nicely. Uh, I mean, I, to this day, I still use PowerPoint quite often because it works for a really nice grid system. Not the newer one so much, but the 2003. Um, mm. And now that I actually have a nice professional setup i still occasionally find myself on powerpoint 2003 making little robots and stuff <laughs> that's cool um what were you doing before paper toys like what was the transition from whatever you were doing before into paper toys or was paper toys just always something you wanted to do there wasn't really a before um i mean i'm quite a young guy you know career speaking <laughs> Uh, I went straight from school to paper toys. Uh, I got into paper toys whilst I was doing my GCSEs, which are kind of the last secondary school exams in England. And mm -hmm. then I did it for my final art program and then just kept doing it. So there wasn't really much of a before. I was always into animation. I just seemed to have a mind that kind of naturally works well with animation. And I was always designing various little characters and trying to come up with backstories for them. And I designed toy lines, like obviously not full toy lines but i yeah. sketch out concepts for toy lines 
So when I found that I could make something that I could print off and hold, it just kind of naturally slotted together in with the things I was already doing. Yeah, that's uh, I I actually grew up interested in paper toys when I lived in Mexico with my mom and well I don't know if we, I lived and I can't remember anyway that's irrelevant but um, I was there was this comic book that I followed and in the back the the artist would uh, print these paper dolls that you could cut out and they were jointed so you could sew them at like the arm the elbow the shoulders and I thought that was pretty cool and that's kind of how I got into paper toys was uh, through paper dolls <laughs> Have you seen any uh, successful experiments in turning paper dolls into 3D? Um, like 3D... Like with uh, a lot of paper dolls, they have like costumes and stuff that you can put on, at least a traditional oh. paper doll. I've seen very few people successfully manage to make a 3D version of that, though. I have been trying so hard to do that, to figure out how to make, like, like make actual 3D dolls out of papers, but as you can see, I've been very unsuccessful in it myself. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no. Oh man, are you kidding? I was um, I was looking over your like you're doing the the one paper toy a week thing, right? At the moment, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going? Um, it's a lot less <clears throat> stressful than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I I had a lot of foresight before I started releasing stuff. Uh, there was about a year's worth of work before now to have the weekly releases. Uh, last year, two thousand. 15 i pretty much solely spent designing all the toys to release this year so everything you're seeing being released now was from this time last year and everything i'm working on now is for next year so that way no matter what i'm always a year ahead of the curb um and that way i don't have to stress every week about making a toy because if i don't make one that week i can you know there's the still 50 odd yeah, yeah. So, so far, it's going well, other than a few times where there's been server issues and it ends up coming out on Saturday, technically, instead yeah. of the Friday release. But, you know, one, one a week, it seemed, I could probably pull out more, but I think that's more than enough. Yeah, I, I, and seeing that, I don't envy you there, because that's, for me, that seems like a lot of work. How long does it take you to, to create a paper toy from idea to having it available to print out? Oh God! Uh, it definitely depends on the idea. Uh, a lot of the stuff I'm releasing is the free downloads. At the moment, it's usually you know a day. Uh, I, I just shifted my schedule around so that uh, I used to do a little bit every night, but now Saturday I just spend. I get up and I work on paper toys all day, and I, I can usually come out with two or three, depending on how complex they are. Whereas the more detailed stuff can take like a couple days. Um, but now at my day job, the deadlines uh, are, are quite quick. So I pretty much have to be able to come up with an idea, make the paper toy and have it out on the website by the end of the day, uh, like a, a nine hour day. So now it's not as terrifying as it used to be to try and get a toy out quickly. <laughs> You're going to have to excuse me as I curl up into a fetal ball and kind of cry. You said one, <laughs> one day to make a paper toy. <laughs> It depends on the toy. It definitely <laughs> depends on the toy. There, there's stuff on my desk as I look around now that hasn't seen the light of day for a long time. Uh, when I look back on my old stuff, it's pretty horrendous. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some projects that have been, I started weeks and weeks ago that have still not been finished. Uh, one of the things I find really hard to do with toys is just finish them. Like, I'll do the actual design, but then just adding tabs to it and 
taking a photo seems to I just all, all the fun is gone for me I, I enjoy making the toys and designing them and then when I have to do like all the admin of releasing them suddenly I lose a lot of interest yeah I can I can feel you on that one um there's a you were backing up your because there's like you have a lot of work I mean all these free toys and and you don't use I mean are you strictly just uh like a mathematician when it comes to how these things work out or is it trial and error or do you use a lot of artists use uh, 3d uh programs 3d rendering programs to create the paper figures and then they import them into program like pepakura um, is, is that anything you do or are you just uh, like two-dimensional figuring out the angles through math and all that I I should get into 3D software. Uh, I can see that's definitely a way the industry is going for larger projects, but I've I've never used it for my toys. I think I kind of feel like it's cheating a little bit. Um, <laughs> I I'm not very good at maths either. I do it all flat, um, but I'm I, people are always surprised when I say I'm not very good at maths because it's all I I basically in my head it's all relative. So this side is a, and then that's angle whatever, and then I can kind of just do it in my head. Uh, and then it just all kind of works out. I do. I want to do some videos explaining it at some point because I, wish you I, would. I find it hard to convey. <laughs> but you just learn little tricks, like, uh, and I'm still learning little tricks to this day. Like, you, uh, you learn how to do something like render a pyramid of any height from a 90 degree angle. From there, you can figure out like the the height of another thing, and then it all kind of comes together as like one big jigsaw. Um, so I just kind of do the do the maths. I have a rough sketch of it in my head um, because, because the deadlines are so quick at work. Now I don't really draw them out beforehand. I just have to dive in and go straight into the flat template and hold all the information in my head at once until I have a finished product. Uh, that's that's insane. Because <laughs> I'm sitting and I'm looking at that one photo of just the layout, the plan, um, and it's just it's a bunch of shapes and. I mean, anybody that looks at it would be baffled by what they're looking at. It's Are you incredible. talking about the, the one that I uploaded recently? And I was like, this is how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I'll load it up now. I'll see if I can explain it to you. This might not work for an audio-based podcast, but I can at least explain it to you. All right, this is the thigh and lower leg section of a robot I'm working on. The kind of rainbow-looking shape in the middle okay. is that's a render of its thigh from the side on and then on top of that is the flat version of the thigh and then to the side of that is me figuring out like the fl flat face on the inside of the thigh so from there I can figure out the angle that the groin needs to work out and then lower down is where the knee joint kind of comes in um, where there's uh, you can actually see a bit of the hip there Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that actually explained anything or made it worse. But right. that's, oh, actually, <laughs> if you if you look, um, there's kind of you see the bit that's kind of got the folded lines on it and stuff, the the black outline. Yeah. Just above that and to the right, that is a side-on rendering of the entire leg piece put together. So um, the shape at the top is the groin, and then going down, that goes down to the leg, and then the knee, and then the back of the leg, and then from there i can slowly extract the rest of the shapes okay yeah it it's i don't know for the listening audience if it's clearer <laughs> but yeah that, that might need to be edited <laughs> out but yeah. yeah the only way we can make this make any less sense is to not show them the image <laughs> i know i'm gonna have to download it and put it um as a thumbnail on the the podcast section 
So I think can... we'll give someone an aneurysm. <laughs> I hope not. But that's uh that's man, that is really intense because I use a 3D program and you're right. I, it does feel like cheating. Um and the problem I find with the 3D program is um you get a lot of organic shapes the way you work. Uh, I really, really love that. I really admire how your characters are so just organic, even though the corners are so sharp and it, it just, there's an organic feel to the way they're modeled. And there's, it's, it's very simple, like anyone can follow it. And then when I make a paper toy through the 3D program and I unfold it and I, I feel like it, it just complicates things. So I, I used to be really anti when, you know, when I was a bit younger and uh, a bit more totalitarian in my design views, um, I used to be really anti 3D software um, because I, I thought it kind of tainted the art, so to speak. Yeah. But these days, I, I, I just think whatever floats your boat, uh, whatever works. I definitely see it being very useful for some things. Sometimes I find myself stuck at, in, the, in the desk trying to figure out mentally doing like this ridiculous mental math to like slice a shape in half and when if it was in 3d software it would be done i'd be on to the next thing but instead of I'll spend <laughs> yeah. half an hour trying to find some arbitrary angle so that i can do the next thing i think i think 3d software definitely has its limits though so much of what makes a paper toy isn't the net itself it's the knowledge that a human being has to be able to use that net and the 3d software doesn't really take into account that or kind of things like paper thickness yeah. or just is there enough room to stick a human finger to get to that last tab oh yeah man i know about that i was i was building um uh i think uh, his name's sv he, he made a ruby doll or a ruby paper toy and i was trying to build it and there was just yeah there was some parts where it was just a long tube and you couldn't stick your finger into to hold it down and so i had to like stick a pencil in there and make sure I got the right tab. And for a couple of times I was hitting the wrong tab and then when I let go, it would fall apart and I'd be like, oh man. Yeah, you, you've got to be ergo, like ergonomic in your designs. I think that's definitely one of my design kind of, uh, if I was to have a 10 commandments of toy design, can a human being actually touch it? Can a human being <laughs> actually assemble this? It would probably be quite up there. I think usability uh, should be higher up in the paper toy scene. I see so many people people design and release something that just can't really be built because either there's a, an inaccessible tab at the bottom or there's just a million tiny tabs to get a curve that could have been solved in a more elegant way. Yeah, like uh, a lot of those 3D game rips that people like to put together. Yeah. Oh, man, those things are a headache. I tried a couple of them and it's just, it's too much. It's like, I understand they want it to look like the 3D model, but you gotta you gotta break it down a little bit you gotta s simplify it and a lot of people don't don't take that time um i was working on a, a gum from what is it jet set radio future i was gonna unfold her and i had to simplify it so much i kind of just gave up because it was taking up way too much time to simplify it and nobody was interested in it <laughs> So I just I'm sure there's someone there's probably like a jet set community out there that were just waiting they were hoping to see your simplified version <laughs> that gives me a little hope unfortunately they weren't uh, they weren't vocal about it oh but um I, th I don't think the paper toy community is very vocal though there's a few vocal members but a lot of the time it feels like you're just screaming toys into the void and hoping <laughs> that people like them yeah that's what it feels like oh that's what that's what it feels like all the time for me like I, I 
printed out all of my paper crafts and I laid them out and I looked at them and I was like, wow, man, you know what? It's it's amazing that I did all that, but they're all kind of terrible designs. They could have been better. I didn't really push myself with them, but ugh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to oh, make this about believe me. me. A huge problem I'm having. Uh, I've been doing this for about two years now. This has been a huge project. Is getting down my old toys and updating them to my current standards, and I hate every single one of them. <laughs> like I always say, I remember them with such fondness designing them, and then yeah. I get to the actual template. I'm like, why are there just tabs everywhere? They're just poorly laid out. That they don't even technically mathematically fit together. You just kind of have to smash the ends together. Yeah. Um. I I think everyone hates their own work when they look back on it. Yeah, it's uh, oh, I hate it. But um, you you do paper toys as a full time job? Is I I do. Good grief! How did let's see? Fortunate. <laughs> Extremely fortunate. That was like you keep saying that your your job and then paper toys, and I'm like, wait a second, it, what? How did how did this happen? Like, how did was it just serendipity or? It's it's worth noting that. When I kind of really started getting into paper toys, I think it was when I, I first got the Urban Paper Book uh, mm-hmm. by Matt Hawkins. That's when I decided that this is what I wanted to do with my life. I want my aim in life, my overall goal for the whole of my existence was to be a paper toy designer for a living. And <laughs> um, and then it happened and now I'm just kind of lost because well, I need to What's figure next? out where I'm going. Yeah. Um, I work currently uh, I, I don't know if my boss will be happy I'm saying this or not. Uh, I work currently for a, a company called Twinkle, uh, which is uh, they create educational resources for children uh, throughout England and the rest of the world. So uh, things like worksheets and, and whatnot. And uh, I do all of their paper toy design, and that can be anything from a printout Roman helmet for a child to wear to uh, a piggy bank uh, and so on and so forth. Anything that has a fold in it. Uh, I most likely have designed it. Yeah, I saw the uh, Guy Fox mask that you designed. Oh, that was a fun one. Yeah, that's a really nice shape. Like I said, really organic, really natural. Like looking, like the things you do with paper is amazing. Like it blows my mind, and it it's really uh, discouraging. <laughs> oh no, it should be encouraging. Like <laughs> it was looking at other people far better than me that kept pushing me to try and 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 go further. But I feel like you're at the top of the you're at the top of the papercraft game. Like your designs are so innovative. Like everybody should be studying them. And I, I'm not trying to like put you on so high a pedestal. That's just how that's my opinion. That's why I, I kind of was like nervous with this interview because like I, your work it just blows me away. And like the guy fox mask. And I I wanted to download it, but um it, it was for Twinkle and I didn't want I didn't know if I could register or if you had to pay for it. So I haven't really taken the time to look into that yet. But I just like just looking at it in the picture, it, it's amazing. It's like I said, it's very organic, very natural shapes to your paper crafts. I, I have a, a huge. You won't be able to see this on a podcast, but I have a huge beaming smile from you rubbing my my delicate lips. <laughs> uh, I think my my aim in general, I think now is to try and you know get to the top of the paper tour game. I don't think I'm there yet. Uh, I'm definitely producing more than everyone else. I think, but that's probably because people have better things to do. Um, but when you, you know, you talk about things like the flowing form, uh, if you look at people like three eyed bears work, he's mm-hmm. been doing this lovely set of orchids and they are, they are next level when it comes to like making paper curve. He, he's definitely figured out curves a lot better than I have. Yeah. Um, a lot of his stuff was 
really good. Like, yeah, I, I built a lot of them. Um, what was that? That one, the uh, the bear, the three eyed bear, bear. That one. <laughs> the was... three eyed bear. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that's old school now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, man. It's it's so crazy how far the paper toy community has come, and you can see like a lot of people jump on, and then a lot of people fall off, and then there's still that core of like just people who are still at it, still making paper toys, and you can and it's really interesting. Like, um, Mercy, do you follow his yeah. work? Oh, oh yeah, he's he's great. I know, and just watching his progression, how he's come, like how far he's come, it, it's amazing. I remember when he started. Oh, he's gonna kill me if he hears this. I remember when he started. I was like, "Who's this chump trying to get in the paper toy scene? That you call that a tab? That's..." T but now, you look at his stuff now, and it's it, what I love about it is is it's so we have we come at it from such different angles. Uh, mm. I mean, uh, Martin, Three Eyed Bear, Mercy, myself, we're all in the um, Urban Paper Collective, and. But everyone's design is completely different. His has a lot of kind of small parts, but they add up to a lot more of a, a kind of artistic feel. Whereas um, Martin's work is so brilliantly polished and yeah. has these beautiful lines. And then myself, which I think is, uh, it kind of jumps around erratically, but I, I think at core it's quite nice and boxy. Um, they're just so different. And yet it's just, they're all so similar because of the, you know, the nature of the craft. Yeah. Uh Tell me a little bit about the paper. What is a paper toy collective? The Urban Paper urban, Collective. Yeah, Urban Paper Collective. Because um, I remember when it came out and I kind of, that's kind of, I, I started not losing interest, but I start, I didn't have enough time to dedicate like I did in the years past to dedicate to paper craft. So I stopped following uh, nice paper toys and I would only just follow whatever was in my feed on Facebook. But um, so I'm kind of unfamiliar with the UPC uh, if you want to inform me a little bit. Definitely. The, the Urban Collect Paper Collective is um, a whole bunch of designers coming together and focusing on uh, a website of their own, urbanpapercollective.com, which releases plenty of free toys, uh, collaborating together in general. And then every year uh, we have an exhibition in Germany, uh, not always in Germany, but so far always in Germany, uh, in Arnsberg. <laughs> Uh, where we all come together, uh, we drink a lot of beer, and we put on a lovely show. Uh, I couldn't go last year, um, but I've I've only actually been to one. Uh, I'll probably be going this year. But uh, a lot of a lot of the the big names that were there. Um, right, uh, okay, I've got I've got them up. Uh, the Urban Paper Collective stars Three Eyed Bear, Mercy, uh, as we said, myself. Mm -hmm. um, it has Abs from Oshit, uh, Chris from Cubecraft. Uh, Marshall Alexander's works on the website. It has MCK, uh, who produced uh, a lot of uh, really classic toys like Grum. Oh, uh, it has yeah. Nick Knight, the producer of Scissors, uh, the latest creation being Cactus Cart, Salazad, um, St. Helvis, and Tongi. I think that's how you pronounce Tongi. I never, I always, I always correct myself. Is that but, the, uh, um, I think it's uh, Tugi? Tugi? Yeah, it's T-U-G-U-I-E, or T-O-G-U-I-E. That's embarrassing that I got that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's extremely talented. Oh my goodness, yes he is. I think he's probably at the top of the game to be honest. He's just producing so much professional work in general. I've seen. I remember uh, I was going on a flight to the states and I picked up a magazine and his stuff was on the cover. He's everywhere. Yeah, he, yeah, you're right. I, w I would agree with that statement that he is probably. Uh, I, I hesitate to say it, but probably top dog when it comes to design and marketing and being out in the public eye. 
He's definitely the, the professional. He seems to be the go-to for commission work at the moment. Yeah, his stuff is amazing. Um, what's Look, that that one doll he has, Sandy? That thing oh is... God. Uh, so... I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm frantically Googling. I, I, <laughs> the thing is, I've been in this game so long now that I can see like everyone's paper toys in my head, but the names have just become a blur. It's all just a picture catalog. <laughs> It is, it is. It's just a photo album now of various paper toys throughout the years. <laughs> I remember when I went to the um, Urban Paper Collective uh, event I went to, um, I had the pleasure of meeting Marshall Alexander, who was a huge inspiration to me. Uh, and, you know, he laid out all his toys in, the, in his little section of the gallery. And without even, like, thinking, I could point out the ones that weren't on his website because I just knew them all so well and they felt so personal. I was like, oh, that's new, that's new, what's this for, I've not seen that before. Uh, and it, it was just like a very sudden realization that every single toy there, I knew if I knew them and anything <laughs> else because they hadn't been released yet or it wasn't public. Man, so you literally eat, sleep and live paper toys. It's yeah, I, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it is pretty obsessive at uh, this point. No, it's a great thing. I mean, I wish I had. Uh, I don't see. I don't even know what it is. Is it is it obsession? Is it dedication? Is it passion? It must be all of that because, like, oh, I, I uh, I'm just, I'm spe I'm baffled. I'm speechless. I'm humbled. And by the by the UPC, like I see all those those are all the creme de la creme of the papercraft people, and it's like. I'm at the bar. I'm like outside the gate looking in like, man, I, I, I want to join. I want to be part of that party. <laughs> but, but it's... Uh, I, I remember when it, it kind of formed. Uh, we, we were all sat around in Arnsberg. And it's worth noting like because it was such a dream to kind of become big in these paper toy, you know, scenes uh, to know these artists. Uh, I had Marshall Alexander's toys all over the place in my house. Uh, I had a lot of these designers. I remember the first thing I ever did with paper toys was for my GCSEs. I studied some of them and I had like these guys' work in that study. Uh, and when I was kind of in my awkward teen years, I'd message them and be like, you guys are really cool. <laughs> Do you want to make a custom of my toy? And I'd send them this terrible thing and they'd politely decline. Uh, <laughs> and then, so I was already kind of a dream come true to go to Urban Paper and like be invited to exhibit along these guys who, uh, quite, you know, quite literally changed my life so much. Yeah. And then when we kind of all were around talking about setting up a website and things, it was it was genuinely kind of one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, this is happening. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was It was definitely a, a little nerd out moment. I don't know if those guys realized how much I was kind of internally screaming, but it was definitely a really surreal moment. It was a surreal trip. That whole year was a very surreal year of just lots of little life goals being ticked off. That's that's amazing. That's, uh, you said you do a lot of animation. Is this 2D animation, like flat 2D animation? Yes, uh, I don't do much now, unfortunately, just because of the time constraints, but I used to be really into uh, Flash. I want to learn how to become a Flash guy, and I kind of started playing around that. Um, I actually went to college and did um, media just because I had this one little section on animation. Um, I, I can do I can do pretty much most types of animation. I've done a little bit of each, um, but I'd say I definitely like the idea of doing uh, hand-drawn stuff a lot more. Yeah. That's uh, something that I would definitely like to get into. Unfortunately, I'm trying to do I'm trying to do everything at once, and it's I wouldn't say it's backfiring, but it's a lot to take on. So I'm 
really mostly trying to focus on the podcast. I was trying to make a comic book or a, like an anthology of short stories, and and that was yeah, they look good. <laughs> it's yeah, and and I was well, oh, man. I think the problem with my problem is just I, I take on too much and I have very bad time skills, like time management skills. I'm pretty similar. <laughs> I, I down now. I definitely think I've grown into managing time, but I, I, I was very much the same. I was always trying to take on a thousand things at once. Uh, like when I was doing the YouTube stuff, I was like, you know, every day was just a, a mess of, of mixing things together. To be honest, I think the thing that finally made me settle down was just having a, a, a you know, quote unquote, normal job of a nine to five because you don't have a choice but then to get smart with your time or you you know you don't eat basically you just yeah. have to that forces you to schedule whereas before uh you know i would be awake working on stuff for two days straight and then i'd sleep for 24 hours and then uh, like it was just a, a huge mess it was a huge mess until i kind of got into a, a normal routine yeah um do you have any plans for the future like i know you said you're kind of at the top of your game right now and you don't know where to go from here have you like do you toy with the idea of starting your own company or i don't know if you want to talk about that your boss might not like it um if you're listening john i love you i'm very much <laughs> enjoying my job uh there's actually some very exciting things going on at twinkle which i, I can't talk about but i'm hoping that'll you know that'll take paper toys in a, a different more mature direction on that front uh as for my personal work um i have so many plans it's ridiculous uh i have a, a friend uh called mr stout who uh, is a very serious gentleman uh but he's going to be coming on board with bold toys uh and we've basically put together a very uh solid brand uh for what i would call a base toy uh which is think of the kind of the cube crafts the toys yeah. that all have the same kind of base but they have various superheroes on um, Fold Up Heroes will probably launch later this year and it's going to feature many Marvel and DC characters all in the exact same style but playing to my strengths of being able to change the shape around a bit more whereas with things like Cubecraft um, they're more rigid to the template we can kind of experiment a bit more and play with the scale a bit more uh, and I believe he's going to be taking the brunt of that work on at least I, I'm kind of hoping he said he would <laughs> I've not got on paperwork but I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Is he's, he's been a, a lovely little helper recently. He does a lot of the tabbing because I hate doing tabs. Mm -hmm. uh, Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, Toy Week, going to keep that going um, for the foreseeable future. I'm going to hopefully be releasing some premium toys uh, for either physical purchase in a few areas around my city uh, as well as available online. Uh, a few of the toy lines, a lot of toy lines are going to be going out, um, base toys and such. Uh, and maybe hopefully take on a lot more freelance work this year. I've got a couple things going, but hopefully I can get enough uh, that I can, I, you know, I can have a commission every week or so. That would be lovely. Yeah. Um, do you find paper toys to be outside of your real job a lucrative endeavor? I don't know anymore, to be quite honest. Um, I'm not much. Uh, although I think I obsess about money about as much as every human. Right. <laughs> I, it, I don't know. It, the idea was always make enough money so that I could do toys for free. Uh, and now that I have a job making toys, uh, I don't feel like I, the pressure's on as much. But at the same time, when there was a pressure where I needed you know, money to live, 
uh, I felt like I made a lot more strides towards making this uh, a viable business on my own. Um, but I, maybe I need that pressure back in my life. Uh, <laughs> you need that day, hunger. Yeah. Um, I, th I think that it's it's viable uh, in this, but not in necessarily the conventional ways. I think if you're going to try and make a living out of something like this, um, it's definitely better to go down the, you know, a company hires me to design their mascot or a company hires me to do X, Y, and Z rather than uh, I sell the toys individually. I don't think there's as much money there. I th I feel like the paper toy industry as a whole kind of screwed itself with all the book deals because now we, we can't really compete with the books because they're cheaper than we can ever hope to be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, before we wrap up this interview, there's something that I've been wanting to get off my chest for some time, and I kind of recently revisited as I was looking through my old stuff because there's a folder I have called AG Team Ups. And... I I, I have the folder as I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I know the exact toy you're gonna mention. It's like a gorilla. It's got like a long yellow arm. Is is that the uh, thing we were gonna do together? It is. Yes. It is. I just want to apologize for completely flaking out on that whole thing. I was about to apologize to you. I feel <laughs> I feel like it was a beautiful flake. We both flaked really hard. I, I, to be honest, I'm still not great with it. I used to be really bad with, with things like that. I'd start projects and then just abandon them and then yeah. just not tell anyone. I've, I've got much better with that. But I, I know the toy you're talking about. <laughs> I, I do. It's, I'm looking at it now and I hate it because it's so old. Yeah, I know. I was looking at it. I was like, man, this was, a, this was just so, so immature, so naive, the design <laughs> and everything. But, I think one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done in the I've done a couple embarrassing things in the paper toy scene that uh, <laughs> are similar to this in its maturity. Uh, one of the first toys I well not one of the first the first paper toy I ever made was called Sock Dog and it was a box with a face and it it was so old it, it had a MySpace page uh, <laughs> and I e I was like man this toy's great and I emailed Shintanaka who was like uh, you know yeah. the big guy yep. I was like hey hey Shintanaka. Uh, trying to make a custom of my toy and he was kind of like looks interesting maybe in the future but that was <laughs> it was just like looking back on that uh, I bugged people so much when I was at the start of my career I bugged Matt Hawkins re relentlessly I emailed everyone relentlessly and I'm amazed they put up with me still um, hopefully they see that I grew up a bit but the other biggest failure that I'm hoping you can avoid with this podcast maybe you can redeem what I tried to do and failed was the show Hot Paper where I would review paper toys and, but it was like my little prepubescent voice. I was like, <laughs> it's a microphone. And uh, it was, I interviewed Matt Hawkins uh, and he was very polite. And then I think I asked him if he had a foot fetish. And then like, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be on camera or not. Cause you know, at that age I was very yeah. like about my looks. So I made like a little animated puppet to do the show. And then the whole thing flaked. Uh, Martin Three-Eyed Bear made me a lovely little thing. Uh, it was like a, a golden pepper. And it was the hot pepper. And I'd give it to people if they made a really good toy. It was like, You've, you have won the hot <laughs> pepper. And the whole thing just collapsed under its That's... own Im immaturity. And I deleted the channel. And I still feel really bad about it. Oh, man. That's, that's, that is cool and funny. And oh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I'm not the only one who was doing stuff like that. <laughs> it should give you hope that if I can be such a lame-o in the paper toy scene and then eventually try and figure something out, that there's hope for anyone. Yeah. Well, I was doing the uh, paper custodian where I would do like a build a week 
and I would take pictures of the process and links to whoever made the model. And then I, I kind of fall, fell off with that one, but I'm thinking about picking it back up again. It's um, starting with this pod, with this episode of the podcast and with one of your week weekly builds. Oh, which one do you have in mind? I like the, uh, what is it? Spark plug? Spark plug. I've got him on my desk right now. He was a fun little project. Yeah, it looks really nice. I love the shapes. I love the glasses and how they pop off the face. Thank you. It's it's weird because a lot of the toys that people like, I kind of hate. But Spark Plug is one of the few that I didn't intend it to look like this at all when I started it. But it looks, you know, it's one of the few that I can go, oh, that's kind of cute. I, <laughs> I didn't screw that one up. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a cute model. Um, well, I guess uh, I guess we should wrap this up. Uh, thanks for coming into the Neuroniverse and having this interview with me. No problem. Thank you very much for having me and being so polite and kind. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you for being an inspiration and for uh, also feeling the same way about the project that we were both supposed to do together. I, that had been weighing <laughs> on my chest for so long, and I, this, that's kind of why I was nervous about this. I was like, I wonder if she thinks I'm some kind of jerk, and I'm just uh, like, just so flaky. And if this, if this, like, just this image of me that you've created. <laughs> No, no. You should you should put whatever versions of that like screenshots of that up on Facebook. I it's that's definitely one of those things that we should revisit. We should pick that up and try and you know get what we can out of the wreckage of that project. I would love to. That that would be fun. Kind that sounds brilliant. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's no problem. Now, if last week's resource wasn't good enough for you, I have got something for you today. If you are an artist or a designer or someone who has trouble with coming up with poses or, or seeing a pose in your head, um, let me introduce you to posereference.tumblr. This is, uh, this is one that I use a lot because it helps, not only does it give you poses, it breaks things down in like a three-dimensional, as three-dimensional as it can get. It shows you the, the lines, how lines flow, how they contour the body, which is something that I always have, I have trouble with, you know, and a lot, of, I'm sure a lot of you do too. There's a lot, a lot of free poses you can get, and it's a good way to study and to break down muscles and just to break down the, the human figure into shapes. And it's, oh, it's so spectacular. And like, I can't, I, I wish, um, I wish podcasts could show videos and show pictures because I would show you what I'm talking about. How, when I talk about the contour, the lines, and this is something you should learn in art school. And I don't recommend going to art school because it's too expensive. And art is something you can do on your own. But this is the kind of thing that you should be learning. And let me just reiterate that it was pose references, no, posereference.tumblr. So please, if you, if you need help, if you're looking for a pose, you need ideas, you need something to study, you can study 
all of these poses. And they also have a Patreon page as well. Let me get that address for you. Okay, that's patreon.com slash pose ref. So please, if you like what this guy's doing, I like what he's doing, I'm probably gonna support him. And I think you should too. Visit patreon.com slash pose ref. All right, Neurons and Neuronets, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I hope you enjoyed the features that I brought you, the interview with Alex Gwynn, the reviews, um, and whatever I shared with you, the posereferences.tumblr, because I use them, and I think you should use them. Anyway, if you want to find us on the internet, you can find us on Facebook, Neon Neuron, and we have a website, neonneuron.com, where you can find everything about us. I'm also hoping to relaunch the old website, which is more of a website and less of a blog. Unfortunately, I don't have the funds to do that. And I am hoping, I am praying that somebody out there will find it in their hearts to donate enough money so that I can open the website. If that person is you, I thank you very much and something good is coming your way. We also have a Tumblr, that's neonneuron1.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter, neon, at neonneuron. We check out our blog spot, neonneuron.blogspot.com. Check out the papercustodian.blogspot.com. If you want to email us a question, if you want to, if you have someone you would like us to try to get on the website, if you want some, if there's something out there you want us to review, why am I saying us? Because we are in this together. If you want us to review something, send me an email at neonneuron1 at gmail.com. That's neonneuron, the number one, at gmail.com. I'm hoping to make this more interactive. I, I want people to enjoy this as much as I do. I want Actually, I want people to enjoy this more than I do. I want to I want to give you guys something that benefits you. I, I want to benefit you. So please listen to the podcast, share it with your friends, share it with each other, and have a great have a great life if I don't hear from you again. And if you come back next week, welcome back. Why am I, I Alright, I'm starting to get flustered. Everybody, I give you Wiz Wars with Game Boy Rock, one of my favorite songs. survive i guess trying trying to live because sometimes sometimes i, I just want to quit everything and 
do what I love. I just want to quit everything and make paper crafts and draw, and even if it doesn't make me money. Even if it does, I don't care. I just want I that's what I want to do. But I, I have so many other people relying on me. Like so many other people depend on me. And for me, I can I can take disappointment. That's no problem. I I'm like I I've been disappointed in life before, you know? And it's something that I don't want to say I've gotten used to, but something I've gotten better at dealing with. You know, get being disappointed, being other people disappointing me. The one thing I don't like, the one thing I hate, is when I disappoint others. I, I, like, I hate that. I hate that feeling. I hate the way, I just hate the way I feel when I can look, when I look at someone, or when somebody looks at me and I can see the disappointment in their eyes. I hate that feeling. And I don't, I don't, and I try so hard not to, and I, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want I don't want them to because I know that feeling you know I know that feeling just like you know love you want other people to feel love I know disappointment and I don't want other people to feel disappointed uh, and that's, I guess that's why I'm trying so hard you know to make this work to to make this something that people won't be disappointed in <laughs> 